Hello and welcome to another James Bond podcast. On this podcast, we will be watching and lightheartedly reviewing the Bond films. We're going to discuss the good stuff, the bad stuff, the cool stuff, and the ridiculous stuff. I'm Corey, and I'm a James Bond fan. And I'm Danielle, and I'm aware that James Bond is a thing. Welcome back to a new episode of another James Bond podcast. What are you tapping my leg for? Because you did it right. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, this week we are welcoming uh, Warren from Cue the Music and Chris from Bond on Vinyl. We're going to talk future Bond music on this week's episode. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Hi. Yeah. Good to be here. Uh, before we get in- into the episode, I would like you to guess maybe just take a few minutes to introduce yourselves and explain kind of your background with Bond. Oh, thanks. So, uh, yeah, my name is Warren Ringham. I run a band called Cue the Music Show, which is a James Bond tribute band and touring concert. I've been running it, well, I've been running the, the show for about 18 years altogether now. It's, wow. it's been quite a while. In fact, we're at the point where my current guitarist was actually born after i started the band so the band <laughs> older than my guitarist i was gonna uh, say i was 10 when you started warren so yeah yeah so it's been it's, it's been going a while um and yeah it, it starts out as a as basically a, a function band to play at james bond themed events and i started it as a massive bond fan myself and bond music fan and i just i, I really just wanted to have an, an outlet for my Bond music passion uh, and I spotted a gap in the market nobody had ever done it before at that point there'd never been a James Bond tribute band anywhere in the world in terms of a tribute to the to the genre of the music and um, we recorded a number of video demos for YouTube to kind of sell the band and it just it just started picking up interest around the world with James Bond fans and and from there there became a, a more and more of a demand for us to do something where people could actually come and see us. So we put it into a theater. In fact, we put it into a, a small theater run. It was an absolute disaster. I nearly got <laughs> went bankrupt from it. Uh, I, I genuinely nearly went bankrupt from it. I'm not even just exaggerating that. It was a really tough time. And luckily, thanks to an amazingly supportive wife, I convinced her that it wasn't, it wasn't just complete and utter disaster in that nobody wanted to come and see it because it was just awful. It was just that we, needed time to grow it and um sure and sure enough you know over the last seven years it's just been one amazing experience and and step after another leading to us playing at sir roger moore's memorial and oh. the 50th anniversary for on a Majesty's secret service that oh. were fan organized oh. event i should say but george lazenby was there and that was actually held at his gloria in switzerland um and uh playing in the west end in london which is it's a pretty pretty big deal so it's really been um, an absolute whirlwind of a, of a last sort of five, six years. And, and you know, hopefully we're, we're quite well known around um, the Bond community. We, we do, you know, try and contribute quite a lot and, and do concerts online. We've done quite a lot of free online concerts during the lockdown just to try and keep the spirits up of the community and stuff. And um, that's sort of where we are. It's quite the story. Yeah, I've, I've listened to a fair bit. Um of your stuff that you've posted online and and it would have been crazy to play music from honor majesties in george's presence that must have been a thrill yeah 
it was unbelievable. I should say, actually, if anyone hasn't heard of Cue the Music, we don't just do the songs. We do cues and, and a lot of them. Now, over the course of various recordings and shows and things, we've done over 100 different cues and songs from, wow. from the films. And we've literally done every single vocal number from the series apart from three which includes mango tree which is a bit of a disgrace i have to say oh, that's uh, my but we will do it yeah we know we will we will do it it's on the it's on the bucket list for this year um and the other ones we haven't done we haven't done um oh my brain's going to go blank now um ah oh, it's it's and the, the end song from gold golden eye it's on the tip of my tongue uh Experience oh, no. of love, experience of love. Right. We haven't done that one. Um, yeah, really deep. So, but that's how I mean. We've done things like <laughs> Dirty Love from License to Kill. Fantastic. I mean, that's really, really <laughs> deep, you know. And yeah, we did a Majesty's uh, medley, twenty minutes of music yeah. from of, of cues from the films at Piz Gloria for that event, and it was just the most incredible experience of my life. I mean, the atmosphere was electric, and we had Stephen Saltzman, who Harry Saltzman's son in the about 10 feet away from me and his jaw was just dropping further and further to the floor Brilliant. and then he got up Fantastic. at the end and grabbed the microphone off me at the end of this medley and and just said you did my dad proud and the oh. whole room just went nuts wow that's crazy amazing. yeah that is amazing fingerless gloves in peace glory yeah <laughs> yeah that's been, incredible been a rush yeah fantastic that all right, Chris, what you got for us? Something a uh, a lot less <laughs> impressive than that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just collect records. Yeah, got a passion for music. Huge, absolute, unhealthy obsession with the Beatles. So that, that comes first. <laughs> At the Beatles wedding, all that kind of stuff. And then in the lockdown, it was just, uh, I had a good sort of a healthy collection of, of um, Bond vinyl. And it was just to scratch that itch and just give me something to do during the lockdown. Just shared sort of different records each week, showed off my collection. And uh, I just, I just, I just love uh, love Bond music. I think that's that's as far as it goes for me, really. It's interesting. Oh, dude, you have to tell them about your playing as well. Like, you can't leave that out. I, would, oh, I wouldn't let him. I wouldn't let him get away with that. Oh, was, cheers. We're gonna well, get no, to... the thing is, I'm I'm sat here as the complete imposter. Yeah. So no. you've, put, you've put yes, it, yes. I think it that's is. me, actually. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I play I play guitar, and then I've done some sort of surfy guitar video, uh, guitar covers of some of the tunes, and uh, and was lucky enough to have uh, I did um, a guitar version of City of Lovers from Casino Royale, and um, and uh, David Arnold put a little comment on it saying that he, uh, he he wouldn't have thought of doing it on guitar, and he thought it was good, so yeah. that made my uh, made my year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was mm-hmm. pleased with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Fabulous, really good. Anyone who oh. hasn't seen it listening, definitely check it out. Oh, thank you very much. Great. Cheers. In your you. in your video is uh, for it was done with fellow Haligonian Spencey Marie. It was, yeah. yeah, who did a phenomenal job as well and sort of channeled her in a, in a Vespa. So that yeah. was uh, that was fun to do. Yeah, and I mean that's you know just shows how positive the internet can be. You know, you hear of all of all the negativity that that comes with the internet and social media and all that. But you know, we're all at home. I've I've met friends. Uh, obviously not in person yet hope to one day <laughs> but met amazing people um who have come together and made a fun little project which is just for fun N- you know no other no other reason really just for fun and um and then billy who does who does all of the bond art on instagram billy's bond art who i know has helped warren as well yeah uh, he, amazing yeah yeah so we just came together made this project for fun 
And then you get the man himself, David Arnold, put a two-line <laughs> comment that made my year. You know, and it's no, one no. of those things. I mean, it's great. I, I have to, I have to say, I've, I've had a nice few comments off David Arnold as well, and, and so I, I only mentioned that because I completely and utterly know what that feels like, <laughs> yeah. and it is literally to get a, a sort of, you know, a compliment from somebody that, well, we both obviously idolise and, and yeah. you know, just bow down before. <laughs> Yeah. It's just the best feeling ever, you know. It's it's just, it makes everything worthwhile. All the all the effort and everything else, it, it's just an incredible feeling. So I know, I was really really pleased for you when uh, when I saw that he said that, and you know, well deserved because I mean, and also Thank City you. of Lovers is a beautiful piece of music. I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music in the whole series. And yeah. you done a, did a wonderful cover of it. It's really stunning. Thank you, thank you very much. That means a lot coming from you, Warrington. Thank you. Oh, we're starting this with the real love in, aren't we? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> well, here I'll, I'll pitch the scenario, then we'll all fight to see yeah. who goes first. Actually, I think we should go first and let them close do, it. Do all the legwork for yeah. us. So the scenario, uh, just for our listeners, the scenario that was put forth was moving forward. Uh, we're we're going to be looking for Bond twenty six at some point. Who do we think would do a good job or do something out of the ordinary or, or whatever um, for a composer and for a theme song artist? Uh, who do we who do we want to put forward for, the, for Bond 26? Um, so the idea was to come up with artists and then sort of give an idea as to why you're making that case for that person. You two are both, I think seemingly more excited about this episode than we are so maybe <laughs> so maybe we'll go first i think maybe knowledgeable is the better word well knowledgeable and more well, excited warren's not the, warren is the knowledgeable one yeah <laughs> i'm just uh, i'm free riding yeah yeah well from our little pre-episode chat i i yeah. think i think we've all going to have something different to the party because i'm probably more Agreed. leading on the com you know I'm, I'm much more into the compositional side of it um yeah. even though i've you know done 18 years of playing the songs about a thousand times <laughs> um, but even so like i really i'm really into the scores um or as a trumpet player but um I'm, yeah looking forward to hearing what you guys have got Absolutely. to throw in as a, as a side note there, there has been weeks um just want to comment on what you just said warren there has been weeks where because we spend a ton of time uh, editing, well, probably me more so than you, because yeah. it takes me forever. Just the fact that you've been invested in this for 18 years is mind-boggling, yeah. that you can love <laughs> it and be so into it that, that you can do this for 18 years. Because there's, it's been like a year, so we're not even at 18 months for this podcast, and, and I'm, some yeah. days I'm just like, why are we still doing this? We've quit in our heads like five times and then taken it up no. again. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, actually, you know, anybody listening to this, you know, you, you unless you've done a podcast or anything like this but a podcast even though i've done a few the amount of time and effort and work that goes into it is just ridiculous isn't it you know the the editing as you say it's and it's really it is that the recording of it like this bit's fun actually because you're yeah. just chatting about stuff you like and with good people and stuff but afterwards when you've then got to you know especially if you're like me i, I like to take out all the ums and errs yeah and exactly. it's just painful <laughs> oh. especially when you um and er as much as i do <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's oh, it's interesting God. because when you're when you're doing the edit, you can see in sound waves who is saying what, and you like you can cut yeah. it without even listening to it. So That's as you're listening, yeah. you, you cut the oh, the cut pops me and out. The ums anything and the... on my channel, you can just half it. <laughs> <laughs> you won't lose any quality. <laughs> there you go. 
Did you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll let you go first. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Might be too loud. That sounds great. Okay. So this is Michael Kuanuka, right? Yeah. This is right. Michael Kuanuka. Just of like not having us sitting here listening to the whole piece of music, I'm just mm. going to sort of advance a little bit. It sounds good uh, yeah. as well. It was really, um, I could definitely see that working. Especially that section right there, that little wind up. Yeah. Very bondy, yeah. reason why I've gone with Michael Kuanuka is he's somebody that's still current and there's been I know you guys have talked a lot uh, over the last couple of days about who's current and who's popular and hey we, this person is really on the map sort of like a from a Billie Eilish standpoint obviously like it's Billie Eilish is gonna help bring new people to the film so uh, Michael Kuanuka is is still current he's still relevant he is great critical acclaim uh, his albums are very commercially successful as well and um he really bridges this line between sort of 70s soul and sort of modern sort of British rock. Um, yeah. He, I don't know who's writing his, his string section. Uh, maybe it's him. Uh, I don't know. But I almost think that you could probably pair... Whoever's doing that section with his music should also probably work with my composer choice as well because the strings <laughs> and the choral sounds on his music is it's just beautiful and it's and it's that little wind down moment I pointed out it's that's very Bondian as well like that little and that's not that's not even that little section is why I want him for it uh, but that's just like an added bonus like he just he nails that that vintage sound really really well. Really, really likes it. I mean, he, I think uh, it's a new one for me. Uh, you've introduced me to him and, and this song in particular. And we were chatting earlier and I was saying his, his voice is, for me, a little bit reminiscent of um, the guy from Lighthouse Family, sort of back in the 90s, that very smooth I tone. completely forgot that band existed until you pointed that out. And I was like, I know who that well, is. I, I couldn't even remember who they were until Chris reminded me. I could remember the song, but the voice just instantly, I heard it. Oh, it's not identical by any means, but just certain um, points when he, you know, the way he sings certain phrases and notes and words, they, they, that that very screamy. But but it's also, as you say, it's it's also very reminiscent of a of the sort of 60s, 70s soul era as well. And it it take quite a, a a gear shift and a swing from the Bond films, the producers, to I think to go back to a sound like that. I'm not saying I would love it if they did, but I think. You know, maybe I'll come on to this point a bit more when I come around to me. But I, I, yeah, I think it would take a gear shift to go in that direction, and whether or not they're open to that, I don't know. I don't know. But but I but I love it as a choice. I mean, it, yeah, it would definitely get a, a thumbs up from me. Something yeah. like that. 
part of my inspiration too, though, is it's sort of working on this concept that they could possibly do because we're waiting five years for Bond films now is and, and yeah. with mm-hmm. with COVID it could be six or seven who knows right so my sort of thought would be a smaller production be a period Bond as well yeah that's something you've brought yeah. up a few times so, so while we're waiting for current Bond waiting these four years a whole separate production team is working on uh, like a period piece Bond um, in the sixties like or something a TV series. Or even that, yeah. And then you could have, you know, multiple singers, multiple composers, multiple actors even to play Bond. And then I yeah. feel like something like Michael Kuanuka would really be somebody that could do both. Mm. Like, um, yeah. And, and again, like we've, Danielle and I have mentioned on the podcast, it seems like the smaller, less grandiose Bond films are the better ones. Yeah. Uh, so if you had like a smaller production, something a little less. Um, in terms of music, like like a smaller <clears throat> orchestra or, or something that's not huge and bombastic, it might actually work for a smaller, lesser production as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's got legs as well. I think that's a um, a poss- you know, more of a possibility as well for it to to actually find its way into, you know, a related Bond project. I think it. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to kind of spoil my. Uh, I want to keep my powder dry when <laughs> it comes down to me. But yeah, it's. It, it, I, I love the choice. I really do. And I can see exactly when you put it in that context of that, in that, you know, using it in that regard, I think it would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. For cool. a period, especially for a period bond. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Big tick from me. Absolutely. Go next? Yeah. Can you cue up my song? Uh, sure. Do you want to start at the beginning? Uh, sure. Okay. So this is Praying by Kesha. Oh yeah. I feel like I have to say this for the record, but I don't actually listen to Kesha's music other than this one song. I had no idea she could sing like that before I heard this. The reason I chose this song is because I just love that feeling of it being kind of quiet and soft and almost just her voice right in the beginning and how it picks up and swells. 
And I feel yeah. especially with like Daniel Craig's Bond, he brings an intensity yes. to the movies that's really reflected in the way that song plays out. And I'm a big fan of those intense songs. Like you've got Adele and Thunderball was also like that really big intense song. So that's why I picked Kesha. Again, the rest of her music I don't think is really reflective of this one, but that's my pick for the film while I'm pitching a full female cast. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, Daniel, listening to that there, you can see that being the third or fourth theme into an actor's tenure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know where it's got a little bit heavy? Yeah, that's you know, a good point, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's sort of, um, you know, it's Billie Eilish level of, right, we're going deep now. Do you know what I mean? We're not we're not going in super happy at the beginning. I think that was I think that would work lovely. Yeah, I can see why you've picked that. I mean, here's a point though: is with it, all likelihood uh, being the next film's going to be a first for someone. Because like, you now you raise that that numeric thing, Chris. It's a good yeah. point. And I just wonder as well though whether we have to also just discuss whether it's going to be an up tempo number or, a, yes. or you know more of a ballady number because we've had three sort of slower ones on the trot now and yeah. is it time to change it up you know i was really hoping this one was going to be a, a you know a, a real up you know meaty. in your face number like <laughs> meaty one like you know my name yeah. um and it, i think the trouble is they've had so much success from the last three <laughs> that, that yeah. it's, it, it's a winning formula so do they do they risk moving away from it because you know yeah. my name for me is the best song of the daniel craig era yeah, um, but it's it's what fourth the fourth most successful out of five. So, you know, not in terms of popularity. I mean, in terms of sales and and uh, awards and all of that stuff. So, yeah. it, it I don't know. It, I would I think I'd like it to go that way. But yeah, that's that was my my only thing thought about the first two already is that you know and, and some of mine as well. I think they're they're a bit more uh, sort of down tempo. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's completely out of left field because I've never heard you play Kesha around the house or in the car or anything um, <laughs> like ever. And, and and as to what you said, like you don't listen to her. It's a pretty powerful number once it gets going, and I like that. Um, similar to what Warren said, like or Warren and Chris actually, like it's and probably similar to my choice as well. Like we didn't pick out particularly strong starting songs. I mean, and that is a good point. Like if there's a new actor coming in, it probably would have to be a punchier number. Mm. Like, look at, um, like, Live and Let Die with, uh, yeah. with Roger. Uh, and, of course, You Know My Name with, um, Daylight. with Daniel. So, I mean, it's got to be a pretty big punchy hit. So, Well, yeah, actually, as you, as you said that, it's, it's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, actually, when I, I said what will it be, but if it's a first film, it's got to be a punchy number. I mean, they yeah. can't go straight in with a downtrodden, you know, Bond who's already yeah. depressed. You've got to give him chance to be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long five films if he comes into the game depressed. Well, post-COVID Bond might feel a little depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. I'm on a mission. I haven't seen my family in months. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bond post-lockdown would be pretty good. Over here, Bond, yeah. 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 Yeah, honestly, that's not something I even I even thought of when uh, when making my choice at all. Yeah, but it, but there's nothing to say that that Kesha can't start that song strong or or something like so, it yeah. uh, with with that. Yeah, song. Yeah. I'm sure Kesha's got beans. I'm sure she could yeah. give oh, it. You know. Yeah, for sure. She's she's using the power for like the last uh, three quarters of the song. I'm pretty sure she yeah. could use it the whole way through. But ah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
the thing is, though, with it, with the singers, it's not necessarily with the singers. It's what you put under them as well, and 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 also, and how actually, I suppose, the singer can handle having that underneath them. Because, like with Sam Smith, I always said with Sam Smith, you were never going to get a rock number below Sam Smith's voice because no. the type of voice he's got, it just wouldn't, you know, it just wouldn't sit yeah. on top of that. It would just drown him out. Um, but she's definitely got the, the the voice that could handle that. I think. Yeah. 100%. And just just while we're on that topic of Sam Smith, I absolutely adore that song. Me too. Yeah. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, and it's it couldn't be more Bondian. I read some dross on the comments. Yeah, I never get some opinion everything, but I just think sometimes people like to sort of be negative on that one just for the sake of being negative. But that that song is fantastic. Those opening strings, they're ah, I think it's beautiful, especially with the visuals as well. I, I think I, people I think just want to hate on it to hate on it. Like, he's got a yeah. really super high falsetto, which is not super common for, for men to, to bring to, to the table. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and even yeah, yeah. Sam Smith is like, no, it's actually really hard. I think yeah. I think there's just a certain section of fans, probably mostly men, uh, that are yeah. that are crapping on it. And it's, it's a fantastic yeah. song. My only issue with it is I really like Radiohead's Spectre. I really like it. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Oh, <laughs> really? I'm so glad you do, Chris. Do you know what it sounds? Do you know what it, do you know what it bothers me? It sounds like the drums are out of time. Yes. The whole, the whole yes. thing sounds like it's just kind of falling down the stairs out of time. <laughs> I can't. I can't relax listening to it. I can't. Do, do you know something, right? Genuinely, when I heard it the first time, we were all, all the band was sat in a, in a green room waiting to do a show somewhere. And it was like, oh, Tony, you know, let's have a listen to this. And I, I, I actually said, and I stand by it today, I genuinely think if that had been the Bond song, I'd have packed in cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I hated it that much. I'm like, wow. I cannot play this for the next five years, <laughs> ten years, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've you know we we've we're quite well known for saving you know saving certain things and yeah. making something of them, but I, I I generally I don't think we could have saved that. <laughs> my my but biggest. But I don't is... want to pour. On, I don't want to pour on your love of it. I mean, no, I, you know not what? at all. Music is like that's the coolest in the thing. Eye of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's got their own opinions, and that's fine. Just for me, I just I never got it, and I same as Chris. The drums, what does it? I just can't get my head around it. I think I'm sure my... if your drummer had a few JDs, he'd do a good <laughs> job on that. <laughs> I've, I think I take big, bigger issue with Tom's vocal performance on it. Actually, it's like whispered. Yeah, but it's 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 it seems more whispered than he usually is. Um, yeah. And as the years go by with Radiohead, his vocal clarity has gotten worse. Yeah. Uh, it's like listening to Janet Jackson. There's a bunch of like really really high voiced words that aren't really discernible from right. like to the yeah so i just i do find listening to radiohead as the years go by a little bit more frustrating but anyways i digress <laughs> <laughs> all right i won't bring up radiohead again but maybe i'll play it for the uh for the edit for the, for the episode yeah. <laughs> be our intro music uh who wants to go I next won't be, i won't i won't be listening <laughs> fair uh who, who wants to go next you can fight amongst Jordan, yourselves dive in yeah, go for it. What'd you got? No, no, you go for it. Go oh, for sorry, it. Ron. Yeah. yeah, so my choice has been a choice that I've I've absolutely longed for since being uh, a teenager, which would be Alex Turner of Arctic Monkeys fame. So um, 
the reason, but particularly his side project, which is uh, known as Last Shadow Puppets, which is deeply rooted in sort of 60s pop. So just embracing all of that lush strings. I think some of the um, influences behind that project, like Scott Walker. So it's just just lovely, beautiful, lush um, arrangements, but, but in particular, the lyrics. So I don't want to sort of come across negative or anything, but going back to what Warren said about You Know My Name, I think if you read those lyrics, they are absolutely perfect. I think they sum the heavy load that you that you have being an assassin. And I think it was the, one of the first tunes that showed that that weighs heavy. It's not just an easy thing. You know, you've got to live with yourself after. I think I, I jot down the open line here just as a little, uh, if you take a life, do you know what you'll give? Odds are you won't like what it is. I think that is absolutely poetic and the perfect opening line to start a, a new bond. Now, if you listen to some of Alex Turner's lyrics... He is, he's a modern day poet. He's, and I don't want to sort of gush too much. You know, I don't want to become sort of fanboy level. I probably already have. But <laughs> if you listen to his lyrics, they're absolutely perfect. He can put anything he wants into words. Personally, I feel what we've lacked on the last four themes is great lyrics. I feel you could live. I mean, we can just personally, personal taste. I think you can sort of dismiss another way to die, certainly lyrically. But yeah. if you listen to the last three themes... For me, they could be just off-the-shelf generic pop songs. I don't think... I think if you just... If you lifted the 007 logo off the Billie Eilish single and just put it out as a as a single, it would just be a nice, lovey song. Yeah. You know, with obviously... With, with some heartache to it. Yeah. But I think... I think Alex Turner would be perfect. I think it ticks the commercial box. Obviously, they're going to look at it, which I know Warren will probably go into more detail, but they're going to look into it from a commercial standpoint and what they can make money from. I think... Arts and Monkeys are a household name. They're a big British band. Um, you know, they headline Glastonbury. If Glastonbury was was next week, it'd be them headlining. So I think from that standpoint, it's a tick. The fact that he's worn his love of Bond on his sleeve for years. Um, he performed Diamonds at Glastonbury to uh, honour Shirley, who was going to be playing the same day. But in particular, the lyrics and the treatment that he did for that Last Shadow Puppets uh, project... If you listen to those to those songs, lifted the Sheffield accent off it because it is quite um, discerning, really. When you listen, I saw somebody that had put one of his tunes on top of like the casino titles, and you see the lush, you know, the um, the uh, the cards, you know, as they're sort of yeah. shooting the, the Queen of Hearts and all that kind of stuff, and you hear that sort of broad Sheffield on top. Doesn't work. It doesn't work, <laughs> to be completely honest. But. I think from a from a songwriting standpoint, he'd be absolutely perfect. So my example would be My Mistakes Were Made For You, which is off the first album. And there's just some beautiful lyrics in that that I think are just completely Bondian. And I think it's time now that someone actually thinks about the lyrics. You know, you've got all of those Don Black Diamonds lyrics. They're absolutely fabulous, fabulous lyrics. Whereas I think now... The onus is more on, right, let's get someone young and trendy. We'll write a pretty generic pop song, sort of flavour it with some Bond-esque brass and strings, and yeah. we'll sort of, we'll play it out as a Bond song. So that's that's my feeling. I think I think he would absolutely nail it, and I think he'd have the right attention to it. And I think from a, going back to what you said about uh, Michael Knuken having a 60s feel, I think you could have a modern-day Bond now anyway. So I think you could get the new Bond actor, but I think the Bond theme can just be 60s. I think it can be lush. I think it can sound like it's lifted from that era. I think that's what it needs. And I think this, I think if you close your eyes now, listen to this tune and imagine this as the next Bond theme, I think it would work. I think too, 
like surf guitar is is because uh, these guys are very surf in my mind. Uh, yeah, reverby. And it's 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 something that's not really mainstream anymore, which is an absolute shame because it's it's actually one of my favorite styles of music yeah. as well. I mean, it'd be so nice to just hear it. Like you know, when you mean to turn, get in your car, turn on the radio, and like you know, BBC's playing it or something. Like, oh, this is yeah. actually great. I'm listening to a surf tune, and I didn't have to put it on myself. Exactly. Even, even just for that alone, I'm 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 a fan for sure. Yeah, and it's it's worth mentioning as well. I made a little sideline just to, so that I could sort of give the fact. Um, it was Owen Pallet who did the um, arrangements for this, and it was with the London Metropolitan Orchestra. So that's who's playing on this full album. So it's just it's absolutely stunning. It really is. So, did you want to uh, go My Mistakes, or did you want to go... That would be lovely. Okay. Yeah, My Mistakes, I think, would be a good one. Because I actually thought In My Room was pretty good, too. It is. Drums. (laughs) In the right place, too. (laughs) (laughs) As Ian Fleming's James Bond. Come on. It's amazing. I, I I can totally see where you're coming from with this choice, and um, it, it, again, massive tick in the box of um, from a PR point of view. I mean, some you know huge names behind this, and yeah. the sound is phenomenal. Um, I I've got my question mark over the demographic and the, yeah. the 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 kind of way they've gone, and I'll talk about that when it comes around to me. But as a you know, as a listening experience, and and I can I can completely understand where you're coming from, and I think they would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, just just on a side note, what are your honest opinions, all of you, on the recent, from a lyrical standpoint, on the recent songs? Uh, I, I, I go first. I, I have to be honest. Like I've never been one to be overly uh, bothered about the lyrics. I like I never really sit and listen to lyrics and follow yeah. them. You know, I, I find myself uh, singing along to lyrics and not really thinking about what they mean because I'm completely yeah. and utterly about the music. And I feel a little bit and more and more as I've gone through this process and people like yourself have talked about the lyrics, I felt more guilt, more and more guilty and, and a bit of a <laughs> philistine about it that I don't have appreciation of it. And I feel like I should, you know, and I've met, like I've met Don Black and I've, um, oh. you know, like I've oh. when I say met him. I'll take the name up, don't worry. No, no, no. But when I no, I wasn't dropping. No, when no I I'm joking. Him, that's I've absolutely that's I've so impressive. To, I've been to a talk when he and, and uh, David Arnold were, were doing a talk, and I just you know went up and said hello. That was it. Oh. But what I mean is, you know, I was sat there because I wanted to go and hear David Arnold speak, and it was only yeah. uh, when Don Black was. I was like, God, you know, this guy really is a legend, and there's a yeah. whole 
process behind writing lyrics that I just don't think about because I'm a trumpet player really at heart. Uh, yeah. I'm all about the music, you know, um, well, music. I'm, I'm all about the notes uh, rather yeah. than the lyrics. But that said, I really thought that because of, because of the, this, these conversations, I've started to think about it more. The last song, the Billie Eilish song, yeah. I, I was listening a lot more to lyrics than that. And I actually, in comparison to the other Daniel Craig songs or in, in, before up, after You Know My Name, I actually yeah. thought the lyrics and that were really good uh, yeah. myself. But yeah, I do know what you mean. I mean, obviously, that another way to die, yeah, the, the lyrics in there don't something really make a lot of sense. No. Uh, that I mean, generally speaking, I don't really pay huge amounts of attention to it, but but maybe I should. Yeah, that's in, that's impressive that you've met. Was was Don Black? <laughs> I know you met him for a brief little moment, but was he nice? I, I mean, it was like a hello, but the, the the actual talk, it was you know, he was absolutely lovely and fascinating yeah. stories, and you know, I mean, he's contributed contributed so many to so many songs and and connected songs you know things that that weren't used as title songs and stuff you know yeah. he's been involved in in five or six i think so yeah yeah he you know he's he's real proper bond royalty especially on a musical side so it was it was really interesting to hear him talk yeah fantastic yeah that was a classic that was a really bad name drop because actually <laughs> i didn't mean it to sound like a name drop because i really i don't i, I that was that was one of those sort of uh, kick in the gut like oh god jealous <laughs> that's fantastic oh, so good but as to your question chris about the billy eilish or and even, and even what warren had said i i'm getting the idea the impression from trailers and, and everything that the lyrics of that song are going to tie in with the story as for writings on the wall and Skyfall, yeah, I th- back to what you were saying, like they could be anything to me. Like, mm, yeah, it could just be whatever. Um, no time to die would work on its own as well, but I do think it does fit. Seems to fit the storyline. Yeah, and I think I think some artists get get exposure to the film and then right after, but I don't think others are so lucky. I think Aha's like an example of that. I don't think they'd seen Daylights before they wrote the song. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. And that's why if you listen to the song. I think there's there's the talk of some headlights and in the in, in the titles they've sort of like superimposed like a CGI headlight coming towards. But I think I think I love that song by the way. It's one of my my top uh, top faves. But when you listen to the lyrics, it just doesn't relate to the song in any way, does it? Do you know what I mean? And to be fair, with No Time to Die, you know, that I, I know that Billy Eilish and Phineas have seen the film or a rough cut of the film all the way through yeah. now because they said that. But they did also say in loads of interviews uh, interviews around the time the song came out that they'd only been allowed to see the uh, I think the pre-titles or, or the opening section ah. uh, of the film when they wrote it. So which is which is. Fair enough, really, because and this is something that I've talked a lot about in other, you know, podcasts like this and stuff is that we're kind of in a different era with the Bond song where we're getting to hear it before we see the film. And actually, the song (laughs) is supposed to be within that, you know, sort of five, ten minutes, whatever. I mean, if this world's not enough, like 32 minutes in, it's supposed to come into the, you know, into the film and it's part of the film almost. And and as you say, No Time to Die, I think they've obviously watched that opening section and written the lyrics of this song to actually have an emotional and um, even a, a, a part of the story. I mean, even, dare I say it, even the god-awful Madonna song was written. Yeah. That song is, is used over the top of part of a little bit of exposition of the story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it So is. these songs, we're, we're actually judging them before we've seen them in context. And yeah. I think I think No Time to Die is going to be one that really is a lot better experience to see it in the context of the film. Because I did think that about writings on the wall, actually. In, yeah. you know, And I know 
the film had its detractors and, and I'll be one of them. But I do think the song worked a lot better in the context of the film than it did standalone hearing it eight weeks or whatever it was before the film even came out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When I'm watching Spectre, I have no problem with the song. I don't have a problem with the song anyways, but I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm going to put on outside of the film. So, yeah. Yeah. In, in terms of the context of the, yeah, I think it works better. For me personally, it works better in the film than it does as a standalone. What did you think of the Billie Eilish thing? Um, well, I, I do actually like that song. I think with Bond theme songs... Well, my understanding of it is the whole point is to tell the story through the song. Like, obviously not give the whole thing away, but kind of the feeling of what's going to happen in the film. I can't say that I've listened to the music enough to know, like, how well the lyrics fit into all of the films. But I am someone who really does enjoy, like, even if you can't sing, if you can belt out a good story, I'm happy with that. And I have to be honest... I, I know mm. he's dead now, but I did think, can, could John Prine get away with this? And then <laughs> I realized probably not, and also, unfortunately, he died. And so I do really enjoy a good lyricist and someone who can paint a picture with their music. But, I mean, I think it's been hits and misses with the Bond songs. Can yeah. I just make another point, though, that's sort of related but not to lyrics, is that these Bond songs as well, they would benefit so much more uh, the Bond fans' love of these songs would benefit so much more when, or if they were reintroduced, that they were being threaded through the score. And I yes. think that really doesn't help with our, as a Bond community, our appreciation of the songs. Because for us yeah. as Bond fans, it's such an emotional experience that we wait for so long to go to the cinema to see a new Bond film. <laughs> it, it's, yeah. you know, you've got all of that build up and then it's a pent up emotion and excitement. I mean, I can remember the last, even the last, even Spectre, which in the end was. You know, good. It was good in places, but it had its, its, its moments. But I remember when the first time I saw it, I turned to my wife after about forty minutes and went, "Ah, oh, this is amazing!" And it wasn't necessarily the film; it was just the fact that I was watching a Bond film for the first time in <laughs> yeah. whatever. And you know, so what I'm trying to get the point I'm trying to the plane I'm trying to land here with my point is that it's such an experience for us when we go and. Yeah. The, uh, we will be connected to the song more emotionally if it's threaded through that experience rather 100%. than just one hit and done. Yeah. And I, I think that really affects our love of the songs. You know, that you look and this is this point is mutually exclusive to to the point. But you, you look at our love of, of our favorite songs. They're amazing songs in their own right, but they're also really well incorporated into the, into the film. A lot of them, you know, particularly like Goldfinger is just everywhere all over the film. Diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to hear, you know, You Know My Name, which is such a hard driven song. It's interesting to hear it sort of softened and and sections of it are are hauled out, like the the main medley are are, are taken out and and just slipped into an orchestra somehow or or string section and used throughout the whole film. Like it's such a great example of that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think you're up there, Warren. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be a little bit of uh, a negative Nelly, I think here. <laughs> you know, it's because um, do you know what? I always get asked to talk about what, who do I think, and who would I like, and what I've come to realise is there's such a difference between who I want and who and who I think. <laughs> um, picking up on some something somebody said earlier on about you know it's you know about making money. Do you know what? The song side of it is not even about making the bomb producers money because I would think they probably actually pay to have the song in their film. 
the money's all made by the record labels and the artists. But what it is, is it is a monumental amount of advertising that doesn't cost them anything more than the, that it cost them to put the song into the film. And the last few have had the added bonus that they've gone on and won awards. See, they're splashed all over the Oscars and the Brits and perhaps or and, and the Grammys. And then you take Billie Eilish, you know, 77 million followers on Instagram. You know, you you massively popular with that really win, win. young... Hey, it's a win, isn't it? Johnny, yeah, just, just the name alone. The thing is, is that from when the Bond film started in 1962, you know, with the marketing has moved on so much, and we've got, you know, the the world has become so much more clever about marketing, and even to the point where we don't even realise that every single time we go on Facebook, everything that's on there is is marketing. You know, everything is big, yeah. stuff that's being pushed in our direction. Even as Bond fans, the daily amounts of top 10 Bond songs or whatever, and you can't help it. You click on it because you want to see what someone else has said, and it's always a load of rubbish that you disagree with. But they've won because they've got you to blinking well click on it so they can raise some ads funding from it. And, you know, that that threads all the way through to actually, if you're sitting on Eon's team and going, how do we get this, how do we get as many, you know, people in to watch this film? And even more so with the, the gaps between these films, you know, the demographic of the general Bond fan is getting older. You know, I'm 41. Yeah. I'm very retro. If I had my choice, I'd probably still be picking people from 10, 20 years ago um, <laughs> because that's just what we do when we get a bit older. We get to this this point and I want to sing a singer. I want a Shirley Bassey voice. I want a Tom Jones voice. I want a Gladys yeah. Knight voice. That's how I grew up. But we're not producing those sorts of singers anymore. And they're not, as far as, as Eon goes, as far as the, the marketing people goes, they don't have to focus on me to buy a ticket for a cinema because I'm already going to yeah. be there and probably there, yeah. go three, four, five times. <laughs> How do you get the next generation in? How do you get the the 18 to that, – that demographic, and I do a little bit of marketing, that 18 to 20, 25 demographic is such a hard one to crack if you're yeah. you know, not pitching something that's absolutely already for that, that demographic. And, you know, you pick an artist that is going to appeal to that that crowd. And when we think about the next film, if it's going to be four years, five years time, that artist might not even be active yet because Billie Eilish wasn't yeah, the last time we had a bond. She was 14 or something, still in school. Um, so when we kind of come to think about... feeling old now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. I know. Yeah. And it's really, do you know what? It's. I feel like I'm really raining on everyone's parade, especially... <laughs> Everyone listening to this will be the same as me and you and you, you know, all of us on here. We're all big Bond fans and we all grew up with that that sound and that style of film and music and song. But we have to just accept that that is never going to properly go back to that again, unless... And this is something I hadn't even thought about coming onto this podcast, that they do something like you said and do a period bond and maybe they do get that spin-off thing. And then then you've got a, a platform where it not only works, but is required to actually it fits the, the setting really, really well. And that would be fantastic. And But I think and I hope that only ever runs concurrently with the Bond series going yeah. forward. You know, I, I, I think that. The bond is the bond is at the end of the day bond is is a product you know whether mm. we like it or not it is a product it's something that's going to be sold for millions and millions and millions of pounds it yeah. makes a billion time every time we go in the cinema so I've really rattled on for a long time and I think I've really <laughs> made that point and so so let's say that that, that um, the new film's coming out next week then it, it kind of really actually the same names in my head come up that were being sort of thrown around with 
um, this film and the one who are the sort of hot property at the moment, you know, I would say someone like Dua Lipa is a name that I really, um, really like. I, I listened to a few of her, her songs and think she's got a great voice, great sound. And she could go either way. Actually, she could go up tempo or, you know, if you needed her to, she could dial it back as well. Um, Ed Sheeran's another name that, that's, that's been sort of banded around. I think he could do really well. Um, and Harry Styles, all three of those are names that I would really like any of those. Uh, I don't think any of them have got anything out that I particularly listen to and think, wow, that is just classic Bond. But I do think they've got it in them to do a, a really good Bond song and they tick the marketing box. I don't know what you think about a lot of the other names that were being thrown around that, that are also quite popular at the moment. You know, people like Stormzy and Lana Del Rey oh, and no. Ellie Goulding. I, I mean, actually I'm don't not... know those people. <laughs> well, I, I... Stormzy is very, very, very t- a talented man, and the, and yeah. again from like a from like a lyrical standpoint, some of the stuff that he writes is fantastic. But I, it's just personal opinion. It's got, there's got to be a formula, and I don't think you can, I don't think you can stray too far away from that formula. Do you know what I mean? Well, Lana Del Rey would work because she's steeped in that sort of historical sense, like yeah. the, the Duffy, the Adele thing, um, mm, yeah. with, with her own voice, she could work too for sure. Yeah, but you notice with all those singers, they're all we're, we've moved away from the the sort of um, classic. Well, I, I always refer to it as like a singer singer, and by that I mean when when I talk about that, I'm thinking that that Tom Jones and that Shirley Bassey yeah. mm-hmm. sound, and I I know we've moved on from that. I know that, but we're not even producing singers with that that sing in that sort of way where it's sort of open up the throat and let it rip. It's, yeah, now it's all kind of quirky and looking for a sound that's different and and in some ways actually in the way they're all striving to sound different from that they all kind of to me end up sounding a little bit the same yeah yeah you know somebody that i just actually thought of when you said you know opening up the the throat and going for it i feel like i'm not necessarily a fan of her music but her singing is absolutely incredible as christina aguilera could probably actually do yeah yeah uh do good work with it with you know the right the right people to sort of steer her in a certain direction. A hundred percent. Actually, one that I, 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 we were talking about, I mentioned on the little chat we had earlier on that I hadn't put in my list was Beyonce. I mm. mean, she, I wonder that, whether in five years time that ship might've sailed a little bit um, in terms of, you know, whether she'd, she'd still be on, still be at the peak. I don't know, but um, she, she's got an amazing voice, I think, would, would be really great for her. And she stood the test of time. Like, she's been around. For me, she feels brand new, but, like, she's been around for a while. She's not oh, yeah. new to the scene at all, and she still has millions and millions of followers. She, yeah, she would be a good person to also put butts in seats for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. she is the type of per, the type of performer that's going to, still grow and still have gravitas and and she's you know she's just gonna sound more soulful as she as she did like in five years from now she's still gonna bring like she'll bring a, like even a, a different element that she's currently not bringing she'll bring a little bit more maturity a little bit more you know power like i just i can't see her ever fading out and her ability you know? to market herself through time yeah. as well has been amazing yeah so, yeah, yeah. The, the other one that that i was was always kind of um using a few years ago but i definitely think uh, i think this one might have again might have passed was i think sort of five six years ago bruno mars would have been a really interesting choice i love his music 
And um, I'm trying to think of the um, producer that he always works with. That's that Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson, of course. Yeah, he, he collaborates with lots of different people, and and he would be a really interesting person to bring on board as well. And would I think that partnership could be really killer. But again, I think that probably is a, a little bit too late. It's like the one that everybody always uses that would have been great ten years ago is Muse. Would have been amazing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But missed the boat, unfortunately. You know. Yeah. Did you have a song sample or you would just want to move on from that yeah i mean you could drop one in afterwards couldn't you i've got i've, I've sent you a couple of links if sure. you want to drop one in okay. yeah um, any of them or okay. all of them however you like <laughs> <laughs> When I got you next to me Okay, so I guess we're going to move on to composers at this point. I don't want to get in trouble for my Radiohead suggestion earlier. (laughs) 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 Don't worry, you'll be fine. Well, you know, I'm going to go back to Johnny Greenwood. Uh, So part of our conversation, uh, part of the conversation Danielle and I had about this was it's it's not necessarily somebody that sounds Bondish, but it's somebody that can make a soundtrack memorable. And I remember, I'm actually not going to play a song from this, but I, I did send it to you guys. I'll, I'll probably drop in a snippet later. I remember after watching There Will Be Blood uh, with Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, just the soundtrack was so prominent in my mind. And it really, and I was there with a friend who, who's not a music lover, and he was absolutely blown away with how good the soundtrack was. Um, it's very heavy percussiony uh, and very sort of disconnected and, and sort of disjointed. And then come to learn that Johnny Greenwood also does like a little bit of experimental free jazz kind of stuff as well on the side um, when he's not doing Radiohead. So so after just doing a bit of digging uh, and trying to find more of an action, like an action piece, I found this song called The Hunt from You Were Never Really Here, which I haven't seen the film, but anyways, it played nice into my idea of having Johnny Greenwood involved because he's also involved in the London Contemporary Orchestra, I believe. So yeah, he's definitely still relevant and uh, in his work with strings, uh, I know Warren, you're a trumpet player. I haven't really, I, I looked for an example of, of like good <laughs> horn writing, but I could only find strings. Ah, that's 
okay. I'm not exclusively attached to that for the score. It's okay. Well, maybe you can get a job working with Johnny Greenwood on the next Bond film. Uh. Not, not as a, not as a violin player. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You really like noisy stuff. I do really like noisy So I can kind of see like something like that being played in No Time to Die when Daniel's got his his blue navy uh, commando sweater on and he's sort of coming through Saffin's lair sort of situation like a like a tense sort of driving moment. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I hear something like that on the hunt. Yeah, he does have some some really nice uh, string pieces as well on other soundtracks um, that are absolutely gorgeous still sort of shocks me because I, I do hear a bit of Radiohead in that um, and I think he is sort of the, the main musical driving force behind Radiohead so I do hear some similarities there but when he's doing his string pieces they're, they're just absolutely beautiful uh, which I sent you guys some samples as well so so well that that clip worked in stressing me out <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, the psycho vibes yeah like you really like noisy music and it's not something I always enjoy I don't know, like that, like it would work to be like a tense moment for sure, because just listening to that there, um, so I get where you're coming from, but like personally, I wouldn't choose to just listen to that. (laughs) Well, I I haven't heard it yet, I mean, like other than for the, a bit of research for this, so it's not like something I've played uh, while you were out or anything, so. Fair. In the shower, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, do you know what? Do you know what I've thought of for this track? You know where do you know where I could see this really sitting or being used would be a Chris Nolan James Bond film. Yes. A bit of a Dark Knight-esque yeah. kind it, of. It, it, yeah, it's, exactly. yeah. You think of things like Inception and um Tenet and things like that. That sound is is would sit quite well in a in a Chris Nolan film, let alone if I don't know whether he'd go that way if he did a Bond film, but you know, I, I could I could see it in another Chris Nolan film. So, and I know I don't know whether he'll ever direct one or not, but oof, that would be something he could he could he I think he would probably entertain. It's I have to say it's not one for me, but I could I I could enjoy it in a Chris Nolan film. I just don't know if I'd enjoy it in a James Bond film personally. But uh, a, a really interesting choice, and and it's it's great because we've got some really varied uh, choices between the four of us, and that's really um out there with the rest compared to the rest i think we may get a chris nolan james bond film yet right we may i think that would be i think he'd be very very respectful to it as well i, I think, think he'd yeah. absolutely yeah. smash it he's obviously yeah. a fan so i mean it would yeah. be uh it would be pretty good yeah oh chris do you have thoughts on that on the tune yeah yeah i think i think definitely very intense uh i could see i think you've i think you've summed it up perfectly really a bit of a uh, bit of tense action possibly being chased i think i think it would work a treat 
Yeah. So my choice, and when I said I was an imposter to this, I think maybe this is where that came from, but I don't know composers, like people who write scores and things like that. I was completely new to this, so I had to do a bit of research. I looked like at the top 50 film scores of all times and realized they were all men. They were almost the same 10 people just repeated (laughs) over and over again, which I think plays tribute to their talent. But also, it'd be interesting to open it up to someone completely different, I think. Yeah. So, I picked Nancy Wilson. She's done several movie scores. So, Vanilla Sky, Almost Famous, Elizabeth Town, and Jerry Maguire. And I think a lot of what I found for, like, that score, it might not fit for a Bond film. But if you look at her writing credits for Heart, that music is completely different. So, I think she really have that ability to bring it like more towards a bond feel yeah i actually would have like picked heart for my theme song as well except i think that (laughs) that it's not something that would have happened because if we're like aging ourselves on this i think that's passed for the younger demographic but yeah Uh, did you have a clip again the movie scores i don't feel like really fit and I think this conversation is, is again comes back to what we were saying earlier is that like they're so talented you can see them coming up with something or it's, they've created a really memorable soundtrack that stuck with you and that's why you'd like to see them do something more bun. Yeah. Thomas Newman vibes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I could imagine... Yeah, I could imagine... Very Skyfall-esque. Also, I keep picturing, like, Magic Man playing in a Roger Moore film, because I feel like <laughs> that's what he thought of himself a little bit. <laughs> you know, like an earpiece? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely would be his ringtone. That's my pick. Yeah, that's a I good was, pick. I was completely like, just sort of, never would have thought of Nancy Wilson. Uh, nah. Completely out of left field. And then we watched Vanilla Sky um, just the other night, and I was like, yeah, you know, I can, I can kind of see how you got there. And it is a super memorable soundtrack, and I think that is part of, not just for the actual songs because the songs themselves in it are, are great but just the score the, sc- the score is also really nice as well but it is a really memorable um, musical film so mm. and you're right we need more exposure for uh, female composers yeah yeah it's a no-brainer you know but I also, mean I suppose you could even as well you could say more exposure in general for composers because it, it, it does sort of a lot of time feel like a bit of a closed shop with the yeah particularly the Hans Zimmer, um, you know, machine seems to be just hoovering up all before with his, yeah. you know, he's got, he's just got a, a sort of warehouse full of composers that he uses, you know, it, it's almost like he's become, he's become a franchise, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and that, that can't be, I don't think that can be good for creativity and diversity no. of scores, let alone the people that are actually, you know, employed to, to do them. Yeah. So yeah, fully agree. All right, uh, Chris, I think you're up. Yeah, so composer. So, um, honest opinion. So Thomas Newman's stuff for me, I I struggle with. So I've got the I've got the soundtracks, and they're my least played soundtracks mm. for the. And obviously, coming at this as a complete novice musically, Warren would be able to put this in better language. 
but for me, it's it's for, it's drums. So I, I stick it on. I stick on. You only live twice. And my wife, who is a casual Bond fan, will watch Craig. Will dip into a bit of Timmy D, and that's about it. And I'll I'll have you only live twice on, and she'll walk past doing the uh, doing the dishes, and I'll hear her going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh great, she's singing Captain in Space. I stick on Thomas Newman. I can I can barely sing along. Now I know that isn't the isn't the sort of emphasis on a soundtrack particularly, but I find myself gravitating towards the ones that have got the melodies that are quite recognizable, as Warren said earlier, that repeat throughout the film. Um, Diamonds, perfect example. You get Winton Kid, you just hear the you know exactly what's coming up. So I, I miss that. But when I listen to the Thomas Newman scores, I think the best the best way to describe it is I just struggle with them. And I think if you lift if you lift any of those tracks, which are very, in, in my opinion, very if you if you lift some of those and just put them on top of Tenet or put it on top of Dark Knight or whatever, it would work a treat. It would work perfectly and no one would even blink an eye. So I think I'd like, a, if it was myself, I'd like a more musical composer, um, something with a little bit more melody. And my choice would be, and maybe a bit controversial because he's known for more sort of mischievous stuff <laughs> but i'd go for danny elfman mm. and he's he's done stuff one of my other fame uh, favorite franchises is the is the men in black franchise and men in black 3 had a beautiful score that there's moments there that are very very bond-esque i know he's like a huge name maybe i don't know maybe he's not in the right remit for bond i don't know but i just think he would do a lovely job and i think from a composer standpoint i just want something that is melodic just and I know there's a lot of people that disagree and I read loads of people that just you know say that Thomas Newman is absolutely fantastic and that's that's the lovely thing about about opinions I guess because when I hear people say that they love those soundtracks it makes me stick it on and sort of listen to it with their ears which is which is nice but personally I just I just haven't enjoyed um Spectre or or um Skyfall to be completely honest I mean what are your thoughts on on Thomas Newman <laughs> am I way off well no we got to go to our last, well, we kind of, when we first started the podcast uh, before quarantine, we uh, we thought we'd do like a little kind of promotional tour. <laughs> it was not a promotional tour. Yes. <laughs> so we went to, uh, we flew from Halifax to Toronto to uh, go see the orchestral showing of Skyfall. Nice. Uh, and yeah. they called it uh, was Operation... Snowfall. Snowfall. Yeah. I yeah. keep wanting to say snow job. I don't know why I can't. Anyway. No, it just sounds dirty. Yeah. So, or like G.I. Joe. Anyways, um, I didn't really have an opinion on the soundtrack until I saw Skyfall with a live orchestra. I'll agree with you. You can definitely, yeah, like you can definitely move it around, especially like like a Chris Nolan film, something action packed and bombastic. It would definitely work. But I did still really like it though. I don't have it. Yeah. I don't. I don't put it on. I do have. I'm slowly growing a Bond soundtrack uh, collection on vinyl, but it's not one I rushed out to get. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But the Elfman thing, we were actually talking about that the other night, too, because yes. we were listening to some stuff from Men in Black, and we were like, that would really work, though. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, definitely, definitely heard some uh, some Bond theme in that, for sure. Or Bond while, it, while it's, um, while it's come, to my, uh, come back into my mind, there was something I was going to tag on to the song thing at the beginning. Um, that's a question for everybody. Do you think we've... From a, obviously from a, they they need to sell they need to sell and obviously the the main theme needs to be commercially successful. Do you think we've will ever get an instrumental main theme again? 
No. No, no chance. Way. No. Definitely Absolutely not. no chance. For all no. the reasons that we mentioned, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Shame. It's, it's, too, it's, it's just too crucial to the marketing strategy now. Yeah. You know, you attach a name to it, you let them do, you push the film out for you. It, yeah. It's a no-brainer. And, and they're probably, in some ways, they're probably, when they realise how easy it was to do that, they're probably kicking themselves they didn't think of it years before. Yeah, yeah. You Maybe know, if they got um, like Daft Punk back together and they <laughs> they did some kind yeah. of instrument, that's the, uh, it's just not going to work. Like from a no. from a money, like I I, think... I personally say screw the demographic uh, and just, yeah. and and just yeah. do something that'll fit the film. But you're not banking this yeah. film. But I'm not uh, I'm not bankrolling it. Yeah. So and you know I got I've got to really say like I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Like the the me as the fan and me as the musician and all of those things. Like I, I couldn't agree more. That's not what I all said earlier on, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. It's just what yeah. I think. And I understand and the businessman in me as well understands why. If I was running it as a business, that would be my choice. You know, be like, look, yeah. you know, but um, I, I would like to just make a couple of points on the Thomas Newman thing. If you, don't, oh, if yeah. you will humor yeah. me. Um, I, I'm again, Chris, it's great. We're so aligned in our opinions on this stuff. And this is the first time you and I have re- ever really spoken. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk and, and, you know, sound say very similar things to me, but the thing with the with Thomas Newman is that it, it really does emphasise the way that creating tension in film music has moved because, especially in the Bond films, if you go back to John Barry, he created tension with his use and understanding of chords, and yeah. you could he could create a Bond in peril or or sneaking around a you know a missile silo or whatever just with a dark jazz minor nine chord you know which for yeah. for anyone here you know that i'm thinking sort of just the brass chords in the opening of goldfinger when he's um you know do, do, when he when he's doing that little that little pre-titles mission there that sort of classic barry tension music uh, just purely through chords now where newman has moved has changed that and where kind of a lot of um modern writing has changed is that the, the tension is created through rhythm so you think of that the sort of the the climax of Spectre. It's all da 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 And even if even as I'm singing that, like I'm tensing up my shoulders and squeezing my fists together, just out of just out of habit of you know if that's how I feel when I you know sing like that. And that is the way that's kind of gone. Now Thomas Newman, I I I always try to find it again to sort of snip the um the audio out for things like this to to just drop in and I could never find it. But there was an interview with him where he actually said on screen that his approach to film music is that it should accompany what's on the screen, but it should be instantly forgettable. And it should. And I think the way he approaches writing uh, film music is that it is almost part of the scene, part of the, the, the scene. Like, yeah, when, you know, Bond's talking in M's office, you're not, looking at all the ornaments on uh, you know on the sideboards and things like that you're not i mean you, you might be if you're watching it a few times but that that's all dressing for the scene and i think yeah. that's newman's approach to writing the music is it is dressing for the scene that there are some really nice cues within those two films you know there's some fabulous music in in rome i think in in uh, specter yeah. um I, I really like um in skyfall uh voluntary retirement i think is and almost a yeah. almost a, a Barry S sounding kind of um, a cue. 
Um, I think that the op- all the opening credits music in Spectre is amazing. The um, Day of the Dead scene is just fa- it's right, just fantastic. Yeah. So that there is some good stuff in there, but generally speaking, it is very much a departure from the the way that we appreciate uh, our scores being written. But I also think you have to look wider and say, you know, there's very few composers um, that are writing in that traditional way, and the ones that are are the ones that, generally speaking, have been there for a long time and are just still doing it because they are, you know, go-to names like John Williams and even. Even Michael Giacchino is someone that I think is going to be my tip in a minute, but he's been around for quite a while now. Um, and the, the, what they all are saying, particularly the, the up-and-coming ones, what they're all saying is that the approach to scoring a film has just changed so much because going back to the 60s, when you were scoring a film, a lot of the time um, the film came to you, it was locked off. It, 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 was, it was finished and you wrote the music to what was there on screen. Whereas now, because we're in this sort of, um, I think it's called linear editing, where literally you can chop and change. You know, they probably do a million edits on these films. And, and that's yeah. probably not even an exact. It probably is a ridiculous amount if you actually counted up every tiny little edit. So if you're writing a score to it at the point that you're writing it, there's a good chance they're still going to go through numerous edits after that. Um, and so therefore you know, your your finished music is probably going to be snipped and edited down even further. So I think the only way to kind of get around that is is to write music that can be um, further sort of tweaked and snipped down as much as is needed. And Thomas Newman's kind of way of writing does allow you just to snip little bits out here and there, and you, you're not really going to be any the wiser. But if you're writing a big, long, sweeping theme, I mean, if you were writing the 007 theme now and i mean the one you know john barry's one yeah that that goes through about five of the early films you you couldn't write something like that now because you wouldn't get away with it it wouldn't stand up to being snipped down edited down um when it came to being you know used and synced up to the film it just wouldn't work no um even scenes like in goldfinger with uh dawn raid at fort knox it's another point is and it's separate to the one i've just said nobody is sort of creating these 10 minute long scenes where you just let a scene just really fester and and let it just develop organically and then write music to it it's all so quick and choppy because yeah you know the general cinema goer's attention span is so short because we're all just used to instant gratification on social media and the way we consume everything digitally now you know our patience is so thin um (laughs) so again you they're probably approaching this whole thing as to a wider market than than just a classic Bond fan who would allow a lot more uh, of the classic approach. I really rattled on there, but that's <laughs> no, just no. A... I, it's it's fascinating to listen to it. And no, I think... we have attention spans. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I ask yeah. Warren a question? When you're when you're performing as cue the music, when you hear the likes of the Thomas Newman soundtracks, which to my ear sound almost in parts quite electronic. Does that make logistics hard for you to replicate that when you when you play? We just wouldn't do it. We've yeah. never done. <laughs> yeah. No, we've never yeah. done a cue from those, from yeah. those films. I mean, actually, yeah. people often ask me about the David Arnold ones as well, and and we don't we do a oh, few yeah, David right. Arnolds. We do ones that 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 even. I mean, he said to me, David Arnold once said to me, "This is this is exclusive." One, uh, he once said to me, "I can't believe you do Backseat Driver live." Really? He said, "You're." <laughs> can I swear? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure. We didn't say. He said, "You're fucking nuts." <laughs> I wouldn't do that live. That's <laughs> uh, what he actually said. Um, but you know, I mean, we don't do any, we wouldn't do anything like City of Lovers live because you know we're a we're a sort of cut down orchestra. We're not a full orchestra. You need a full orchestra for that. You know, the yeah. Barry stuff it does work with a smaller group, but the modern stuff is so so much bigger and and um, yeah, there's so much more going on. But to your point on the Thomas Newman stuff, I just don't feel there's anything in there that's there so that's sort of commercially interesting to to an audience that will come to a cue the music gig because it's just there's not really that thematic material to latch on to to, to no. really enjoy I mean no one's going to come and see cue the music go da 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 for no. five minutes for that <laughs> no. to, for that to work you'd almost have Sorry. to like a, you'd have to have like a stage show or something like like you know what yeah. I mean like yeah. a, like not just like I don't know you could do like a day, the day of the dead thing or uh, you yeah. know and have puppets yeah. or, or props or something like it just wouldn't work on its own music uh, just on a live on a live thing I wouldn't think but I mean, I went to Skyfall Live as well, actually. Yeah. You know, you did, uh, yeah, they did one in, in uh, the Albert Hall over here. And I, so I went as a, a not a fan of the score. You know, the, the, I've grown yeah. to appreciate it a bit more over the years. And, and there, I don't think there's as many as you say, Chris, actually fans of it. I think if you <laughs> took a poll, it would be 80% that don't like of the Bond yeah. community that don't like the Thomas Newman. Uh, yeah. But there are the ones that do, the 20%, they are very passionate about that Thomas <laughs> yeah. Newman is the man and he should do every single one going forward. But I I found, I, I went really, I went thought, I'm going to go with an open mind. I'm going to go with the intention of trying to find what I like in this score rather than yeah. trying to find what I don't like. Um, and even with my most positive hat on and going... <laughs> I had a phenomenal night and it was a brilliant experience. And I'm so glad I went because, you know, seeing a Bond film in the Albert Hall with a live orchestra and all your mates and everything else, amazing. But the score still left me very <laughs> underwhelmed. Yeah. And it was interesting that even the diehard Newman and Skyfall Spectre score lovers actually speaking to a lot of them others, they were like, yeah, it didn't work uh, as well live as it does on the soundtrack album. It didn't, didn't really. really yeah, yeah. Well, too much space in the room. Yeah. Well, just well, well. The reason I give you, the reason, I just feel like I'm taking up all the airtime here. But the the reason was because that the there are a lot of electronic sounds in that score, and, yeah. and they're a lot harder to produce live. Yeah, I think it's. I think the Newman ones are very much interchangeable. You, like they don't sound particularly Bondish until they do. But yeah, it, I think I think you're right, Chris. I think you could pretty much put it wherever. It's funny with Spectre because I can't hear the music over that yellow filter they're shooting it with uh, <laughs> for the for the intro. Like, oh my god, we're we're watching that uh, we're watching that tonight after we're done here because it's uh, it's our last film review, oh, yeah. and uh, I'm like, oh great, fantastic, yeah, I'd, I'd love yeah. to see it without the yellow. I just want to say as well, like, I know at the beginning you said that we have days where we think, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. I was listening to the um, the Skyfall review. Oh, yeah. I just want to say it's it's really refreshing and lovely to have just people chatting in a very relaxed manner about a film and not trying to come off as being super factual and like that like let's nail every sort of nuance. It was just very nice. I had it on while I was working. Yeah. And I just felt like I was in the room with you. The banter was good. Um, you know, Danielle ripping you at, at, at stages, but it was it was really really good. I'd uh, I'd uh, I'd carry on going. Yeah, I'd carry on. Don't don't feel that you need to pack it in because it's it's very good. 
Well, thank you. That was kind of the intention because I sort of got outed as a Bond fan by David Zeritsky on one of his events. So we started watching the films together and just having conversations afterwards. And we thought, hey, this would actually make for a pretty good podcast. We should record our conversations. And here we are a year later. So, yeah, it's going pretty awesome. well. And they're actually pretty fun to do. Not the editing, but <laughs> yeah. the recording part. The recording and the conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, Warren, I guess you're next. Yeah, I'm gonna try and uh, try and keep it brief. <laughs> no, we said we um, said you wanted it, we wanted you to do the heavy lifting, so have at it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give a two. If you don't mind, I'm gonna give two brief honorable mentions before I give my my pick, the one I'd like to see it because the first David Arnold, I think I've got to say, like I would love for him to come back, but I don't think it looks like he's going to. And I just don't feel I'd feel like I was betraying him uh, and my love of David Arnold scores. If I didn't say if you gave if you were asking me my choice, I would bring him back every day and twice on Sunday. You know, it, it, I can't believe that they didn't go back to him uh, when Dan Roma was, you know, removed from No Time right, to Die. I'm right. surprised yeah. because it's like, well, we've got we've got limited time. What we're going to do? Let's just go where, where we know, you know, yeah. works. I was really surprised about and he's, that. And he's said, he, he's publicly said he's, he would love to do it. They were his words. Yeah. He would love to do another score. Yeah. You see, I you see. I think, I wonder whether this sort of approach to film scoring has gone in this way where the thematic side of things have just been removed. And, and I just don't think Hollywood want that approach anymore. I think they just yeah. want this background kind of uh, accompanying you know, scenic material that I was mentioning earlier. And, and David Arnold is very much like full on themes and that's what oh, we want, but I don't think yeah. that's necessarily what Hollywood wants, but the sort of moving on from David Arnold um, to my, my another second honorable mention that I just don't think it's going to happen for him, but I think would be, I mean, he's what he's clearly been putting his calling card out to do it for, <laughs> for over a decade is Michael Giacchino. I mean, you know, and, and I, there, he's a name that always comes up as well on these sorts of conversations, especially when you go all the way back to the first Incredibles. That was like a, you know, the most Bond-esque score that you. I mean, it was deliberately so, you know. But even yesterday, I was watching my my two-year-old is massively into Disney Cars. You know, the films. Oh, yeah. And Fantastic. we were watching the second one, and then the opening of this second one, you've got this Aston Martin, who's a secret agent, British secret <laughs> agent. Car that's an Aston Martin yeah. that's doing a raid on this on these uh, um, uh, deep sea um, uh, uh, oil drilling things yeah. and you know it was obviously deliberately a, a Bond reference and the music was very much um, Bond esque. It wasn't the, the greatest score I've ever heard, but I was thinking, oh, this would be quite a good choice for this little chat. And I thought, I wonder who the composer is. And goodness knows, what do you know, <laughs> Michael Giacchino. Yeah. So yeah, and and another one that I have to do, his of his little scores I have to just say is that he did I thought an amazing attempt at a John Williams score for Rogue One, um, where he yeah. did you know he's shown on a, on numerous um, films now and, and examples that he he can write his own stuff, but within you know uh, um, uh, with but at the same time as write you know paying a, a polite nod and very much an honourable nod and writing in the genre of, of one that's already established, you know, like James Bond with The Incredibles, but also with Star Wars, the Rogue One score, I think, was was really great. 
And I've seen, I remember on Facebook, a lot of my friends on my uh, list were, weren't keen on it. I thought it, and there are bits of it that I don't love, but I think he, you know, he has to be allowed a little bit of rope with that score because he picked it up with the shortest time of like most scores that have ever been written. I think he had like four weeks to write a score for a films that are notoriously like music throughout, you know, the Star Wars films are just jam packed with, with, uh, with score. Um, And uh, I think we're going to hopefully play a little example of, you know, even a couple of minutes of, of one of the cues from that, um, which is called Confrontation on Edo, which I just think is just full of really gorgeous thematic material, really passionate writing, very John Williams-esque. And although it's not necessarily right for Bond, I mean, we all know the inc- everyone listening would have heard the incredible score. Uh, I just wanted to show his a bit of diversity in how we can really work within uh, an area and pay tribute really well to it. Well, I've got the uh, the Finn McMissile part up. Um, oh, do that. Go for that then. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. I could see Daniel Craig with this on top, 100%. Yeah. You sort of wonder whether he would take it because he's quite good friends with David Arnold and I wonder whether he wouldn't take it out of, wouldn't do it out Mm. of respect for David Arnold. I don't know. I don't know where that dynamic is. Yeah. We'd have to talk to him and be like, just get over it and just... Yeah. (laughs) Because when we started having this conversation like a week ago or whatever, you mentioned The Incredibles and... We actually had just watched it a couple of weeks ago, as per Danielle's suggestion, because I'd only seen it once when it first came out. 
And the whole time, I, we're actually, we talked about reviewing it for the podcast, actually, and I think we'll do that eventually, because it just, it's oozing, there's just gobs of Bond in it, so yeah. much. And then the, the soundtrack is, is just crazy. Like, it's, it's, I would totally back this guy 110%. Like, he, I honestly think he should do the next one, because he is so toes dipped in the past, and, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's fantastic. He'd be a good period one as well. He definitely, definitely would. But he was just my honourable mention, by the way. Which, which <laughs> Can is, I give my actual one? Which is insane. My, my, I know, I know. Because I just feel like, again, he's one of these ones that, uh, for whatever reason, I think he might be considered going backwards rather than going forwards. There seems to be this feeling of, of trying to do things differently or, or updating the music and the scores. And I, so the one that I think could do that but actually would... Also, just just give us that little um, one foot in the past, but really take things forward. It's this this new guy that's well, he's not that new, but he's pretty young actually. Um, he's only recently sort of come onto my radar in a big way. Is that's Ludwig Göransson, who wrote all the music for um, uh, the Mandalorian, the Star Wars series. And I was, as I was kind of watching this to start with, I was really unsold on it. And then the, that, and this is just all in the first episode, actually. And then the theme tune kicked in and I was like, oh, wow, this is good. <laughs> and then actually as more as the series gone on, I've gone, actually, do you know what? I really, really love this approach. And it, it's one of those things where when somebody has, you know, gone and worked in a environment where it's so John Williams and you expect a John Williams score to then when you start off and it's something completely different, you're like, no, no, hang on a minute. You can't do this. This is not right because it's not John Williams. But actually when I opened my mind up and, and, and looked at it without those goggles on, I thought, you know what? This is really great. And as the series went on, there were a little, just little nods and little, just little hints of the themes and stuff when it was appropriate. Um, And I, I thought that was great. And the great thing about him as well is that he's already doing lots of different films where he's, done that i mean he did creed and creed 2 and there's yep. lots of callbacks to the rocky series in those tenor is an amazing score but completely and utterly different to the other ones i mean it's not even necessarily something that i would even put on outside of the film but i remember sitting in the in the uh, cinema just going you know wow this is just blow you off your feet sort of score and you know he, let's not also forget that he's doing a lot of producing for you know within the actual pop world as well so he could easily be someone that could come in do the score and also work in association with whoever's doing the song and have that sort of uh, cohesion between the score and the song i think really well so he would be one that i would absolutely love to see do it although my first choice probably would be michael giacchino i don't think that's going to happen so if not this would be my choice and he's got to be, surely he's got to be way on their radar now for the yeah. success with Mandalorian. Yeah. has to be. Because that score is absolutely sublime. And that's uh, that's another example, as you quite rightly said, of, yeah, hinting at the theme throughout. Because that was one of the ones where we'd finish each episode and we both sort of, you know, pack down the lounge or whatever for the night. And we'd both be... Yeah. <laughs> It needs that. It needs the hum along ability where you can just yeah. Ah, ability. <laughs> it does. It does. Right. He's, he's, also, he's also just starting to sort of really get on the radar awards wise. He's got an Oscar already now. He's thirty-six, he? I think, and he's got an Oscar for Black Panther and a Grammy for that as well. Hmm. So yeah, he's his his stock is rising all the time. I think his approach is really kind of cutting edge at the same time as he can 
do you know he can do the sort of i mean the, the creed stuff if you listen to any of the creed stuff you know he really can sense yeah yeah he can capture that so i think he would be one that would would do enough to kind of appease the fans but also do enough to do he's he's, he's sort of walking that hollywood line that they want at the moment where it's a modern sound and a modern approach but he would just i think he would just inject enough of the fan service to keep us all happy well, I've yeah. got uh, Mandalorian queued here. Oh, yes. I've listened to this already. It's interesting yeah. because that takes you right back to the notion of Star Wars being a space western. Yeah, true. Like yeah. directly back to what Lucas was trying to sort of promote at the very, yeah. very start. Uh, better than I think any soundtrack from Star Wars has. There's a, yeah. a good video just to throw it in there for anyone listening. There's a video of Gorenson doing it, um, layering it. I think he's in the yeah. what they call the volume, which is like the studio they filmed a lot of Mandalorian in. Um, but he, he starts with like a floor tom. And you can just see him, and then he sort of layers the uh, the acoustic guitar, and he just builds it. It's not the same sort of orchestral version that we know, but it's sort of a, a, a demo version, I would say. But it sounds absolutely amazing, and just seeing how he layers the instruments is is eye opening. It's good. You're right, and there's a few. There's actually a couple of documentaries about him making that, and his approach is really interesting. You know, he, he locks himself. I mean, for that one, he just locked himself away in his studio. He's just got like hundreds of instruments all around him, and he's just you know getting getting instruments out, playing different things, seeing what yeah. works. Got got a load of recorders sent. These new these new recorders that that he had they used for that opening bit. I saw and it. It was like taught, an L shape, yeah. wasn't it? It was like this. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Just taught himself to play so that he could, I think, so that he could do that. You know. <sighs> Come on. Amazing. Like just, just another level of approach, you know. So Warren, he's your first choice. Oh, I, he, <laughs> oh. Well, no, he's my third choice, but. I think you've changed your opinion love... here. <laughs> uh, no, my first choice is David Arnold. My second choice is Michael Giacchino. But the thing is, neither of those two choices I think are going to happen. And I, you know, I just don't think they're going to go there. So I'm kind of trying to approach it of who is like, who's, who's likely rather than who do I want. And actually, yeah. of the likely ones, the, the up and coming ones, 
I would be so happy if he got it. And I think he would absolutely smash it, you know, because like I said, right from the start, my approach to answering these questions has changed because, you know, I used to come on and say, oh, I really want this person to think actually it's, it's kind of just a, a bit of a waste of breath, <laughs> yeah. my opinion on this, because it's never going to happen. Like yeah. I might as well look around at what's actually possible what they might yeah. actually do and then it, it makes it you know just a different point of view i suppose no that makes perfect sense i was just going to say that kind of brings us to the end of the music portion and did you guys have anything you wanted to add no i don't think no, so I, I think i've burnt way too much air time for you guys sorry oh, <laughs> no, no this is this has been amazing honestly yeah absolutely really, amazing. really enjoyed chatting to you guys about it it's well good. warren for your input uh i didn't hear any ums or ahs or anything so i mean i yeah. pretty easy edit, edit i think <laughs> it's slick yeah <laughs> exactly thanks for tuning in hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please take a second to rate like and subscribe if you're looking for a little bit more content you can find us on instagram at another james bond podcast and if you want to send us an email which we would love to hear from you you can contact us at another at gmail.com 